You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Deader and I here with always typical Lydia. On today's show, we're going to be handling the 2001 remake, Thirteen Ghosts, spelt out, no mistakes. Yeah, with all the letters. All the letters. Because one three ghosts is the original. That's true. Yeah, Thirteen Ghosts, the original. The 1960 black and white ghost fest. Yeah, that you had to watch with your special 3D glasses. That's what I just want to point out to people every time when 3D movies were like the new hotness. Well, they still exist, but especially when it was like a new thing kind of reemerging in theaters and everyone's like, oh yeah, 3D movies. Who would have thought? I'd be like, man, they've been making 3D movies for years. They just, a decade they exist and then a decade they don't and then they come back and then they go away and then they come back and then they go away. Yeah, they have new technology and groovier glasses. That's really about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is a totally different experience, yes. But the idea isn't new. No. no. Creature from the Black Lagoon was a 3D movie. House of Wax was a 3D movie. These are oldies. Which Friday the 13th was 3D? That would be Friday the 13th. Part three. That's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Incidentally, if anyone was curious, and I know you all are, that is my favorite. Of course it is. And it is fine to watch without your 3D glasses. And it's not one of those things where every single thing they do that is 3D is only because it's 3D. The kills aren't extra 3D because it's 3D. They stand up as pretty decent kills. Yeah, they're pretty good. Um, It does have like that scene... Where uh, Shelly and the other guy are juggling just towards the camera. And I was like, it really reminded me of that scene in the House of Wax where the guy is playing uh, ping pong, uh, not ping pong, sorry, paddle ball mm-hmm. in, in the original House of Wax. And he's just like, hurry, hurry, right here, folks. Look at this. And it's just the ball going towards the screen. And you're just saying to yourself, what's the point of this? And so in Friday the 13th, part three, they definitely have that scene as well. Yeah. We're just juggling. Yeah. Why is that like that? Show off the 3D technology. <laughs> technology. In well, apparently quotes. that scene was really difficult to film because the equipment they were using was so bulky, but they had to get the oranges or whatever the hell they were juggling just absolutely perfectly right. So a lot of work went into a scene that was mostly for nothing. Yeah. Could you imagine? Especially Could- if you watch it just like on Netflix now. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you would never know. Yeah. They're just like, oh no, this movie's going to be in 3D and people will only ever see it in 3D and 3D is going to last forever. <laughs> forever. Like Betamax. <laughs> Incidentally, yesterday was Friday the 13th. Yeah, it was. So happy Friday the 13th. And I'm glad that we're not covering a Friday the 13th film just because. But instead we chose 13 Ghosts. How yeah. fitting, how fitting. That we're still coming down off the high that is Friday the 13th. Well, there was three this year. Mm -hmm. I learned yesterday that that apparently only happens once a decade or so. 
most years only contain one or two Friday the 13th. But we get three this year. This is the last one, so... I, I knew that because Wednesday 13 um, clearly stated that as many times as he could every Friday the 13th. And I didn't really follow his uh, uh, Twitter, because I do enjoy his music, and I, I, I do follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but he was stuck in Paris, and there was those bombings and shootings mm, in Paris. Yeah. So I think that's more on his mind than it being Friday the 13th yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, which makes sense. Um, no, things got real here for a second. Um, so anyway, horror movies. This is the first time that I think, I think, if you correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first remake that we've ever handled. I believe so, because we pretty much try to reach back to the originals. Yes. We definitely do. We definitely try to... Not avoid remakes, and it's not that there are bad remakes, it's not that, but we enjoy watching the originals. Um, this is one where the original isn't necessarily a candidate, because it's not really a horror film. And I also wanted to get into a little more gory, and a little more fun effects, and something a little more contemporary, after doing The Innocence, which definitely is a horror movie. Would you count that as a remake because it's based on a book? No. But yeah, I think people don't generally count it as a remake if it's crossing mediums. mediums yeah. So th- it would be like an adaptation if it was based off of a book. Okay, that makes sense. Now, the original 13 Ghosts was not scary. And it was, um, you know, kind of like not even a spooky drama, like slash comedy I don't know really what genre to stick it in. I don't know if, you know, if you can stick yourself back into the mindset of somebody watching it when it came out, even then it wouldn't be scary, even though it was amped up and uh, in the Carnival Barker way that William Castle did. Mm-hmm. His uh, legendary 4D effects, <laughs> buzzing seats and swinging skeletons and all kinds of great stuff like that. Yeah. And its introductions, his, his very colorful introductions <laughs> to his films. And even the aftermath of his films to make sure that you're okay and that you survive that horrible <laughs> onslaught of terror. This was a weird part in movie history where television was bringing, taking people out of the theaters. And they were trying to come up with anything. To get people back to the theater. So the idea, of course, is to make the theater more of an experience. Interesting that it should be a method of 3D and 4D and all these bits of pageantry. Because people complain nowadays, what's with all this extra stuff in the theaters? Well, because the theaters are, again, worried. Everyone's staying home because of Netflix and streaming and and all kinds of stuff like that. And so... Whoa, lo and behold, look what came back. 3D movies and these experiences that you cannot get at home they're trying to give you in the theater. So 
it really makes a lot of sense. It's so cyclical. I find that kind of stuff fascinating. I don't know if anybody else does. No, it, it is fascinating when you pay attention to it. Because by and large, people don't pay attention to it. Yeah. And people aren't really going back to the theaters and droves. I have a, a, a suspicion that most people that go to theaters are going to traditionally always attend theaters. And people who always watch films at home are going to traditionally always watch films at home. It's pretty rare that you're going to go out for the gimmick. But... Back yeah. then, when burlesque and live theater and live shows were a little more commonplace and people were still used to going out to live events, it was more of a draw. And it did work. Nowadays, I feel myself going to the theater when it's a matter of, eh, I don't feel like being at home for three hours. That's that's, <laughs> and, and I'm like, what's going on in the theaters? Sometimes movies will come out where I'm like, ooh, got to see me that. Uh, I got to get that right away. And I'm really excited for a film. That happens less and less. When I was a teenager, I used to go to the movies every weekend and see at least two. Yeah. Every weekend. And I, I, I think about that. It was crazy how many movies me and my friends used to go and see. Which is even more surprising that I didn't see 13 Ghosts when it came out. I saw it at home. I rented it. I definitely, it was definitely a rental. But I've always been a once or twice a year theater goer until moving to Ottawa because there's a theater here that shows movies I want to watch called the Mayfair. And not like most movie theaters that show movies that I don't care about or would rather just rent eventually. But yeah, this one takes the, the gimmick of the glasses uh, used in the original film mm-hmm. and makes them all important. Yes. And really, really effective in the remake, 13 Ghosts. Um, I really like them as a device to see these ghosts and that they're not just glimpses and they're not just like shadowy or see-through little figures. They're very present and just characters in, in the film, a lot like the Cenobites would be in Hellraiser. Yeah. They're as present as that. Yeah. Thanks no. to the glasses, even though you don't rely on them entirely. And the glasses do look kind of cool. Yeah, in that early 2000s, vague, faux technology sort of way, where like, it's like, here's a thing that allows me to do a thing that doesn't actually exist, and so it kind of just looks like super hip sunglasses. Oh, no, not really sunglasses, they're like clear glasses. Yeah. Safety goggles. Safety goggles, they're a lot like safety goggles. Yeah. with LED lights on them for some reason that are always on. I guess that's what makes on. them go. Yeah, I that, suppose the lights make them go, Lydia. I, I like I like them and I like the aesthetic of them and I like the usage of them and I like. Um, there's one part where because you're gonna think like, okay, they're having to use these glasses to see them. The ghosts do flip off and on so that we have an idea of what this scene would look like if you couldn't see the ghosts or if you could, regardless of whether the characters are wearing the glasses or not. So while the glasses do play a huge, huge role in that, they don't rely on that. And there's even parts where other characters in the room aren't wearing the glasses, and the camera pans through, uses framing through the glasses to let you know that you're able to see them as if you were wearing the glasses, which is another cool device around these glasses. Now, the biggest parallel, aside from the glasses and the ghosts, um, is how the movie begins. Not the very, very beginning, which is amazing when they're wrangling the first ghost you get to meet and the ghost wrangler, um, uh, Cyrus Criticos and Matt Lillard's character. When you meet the family, it's the same sort of idea. Family is broke. Family needs house. Family has rich uncle they never met who bestows this upon them. 
uh, I kind of enjoyed that the family wasn't a typical TV family and just a really like cardboard cutout family. They actually had real personalities and they all seemed to function really well as a dysfunctional family Mm -hmm. and really believable, palsy, modern. It was very, it was a very modern interpretation of a family. You have a dad, his eldest daughter, his young son, and a housekeeper, a nanny of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're all very close very, and uh, chummy with each other. They speak to each other not always like a family unit until, as a father, uh, Tony Shalhoub's character, he, when shit goes down, when he, he can get really stern. And, and, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, he's the father, he's the patriarch. He's very stressed out. He's very stressed out about what happened to his wife when she died. Which is not entirely explained. No, it's not. Um, you get the idea just in the very first, like during the the title sequence, actually, that he misses his wife. He's sad, and they have bills piling up, and mm-hmm. this is all just um, shown with photographs and the and the bills around the house while he's sitting there, contemplative thinking. But he doesn't stay in that mode very long because him and his family do get along really well, and. They're, they're functioning really well. So they show a little bit of that. And then within moments, you get to see how the stress and anger has piled up on him when he snaps at his younger son. The only time you really get an explanation for the mother passing away or his like his wife, for the first half anyway, is the little boy who's super fucking dark and super macabre little hellion that is recording some sort of show on his little portable play school Tape recorder Morant's thing or his whatever. fucking talk boy or whatever he's got yeah, going on. Yeah, I love that kid. Where someone is like, you know, what happened to your mom? And he's like, our mom got burnt and died in a fire. Yeah. So that's really all you learn for the first half of Jean, the wife. Now, of course, his snapping on the son for a little silly thing and having coffee spilt on him does spark a little more conversation where you, you learn that they're really trying very hard to make ends meet and they've had to move because probably like assuming that it's because of the tragedy of their mom dying and yeah. their house burnt down and all that stuff. Yeah. So you get a little bit of story in a, in a few well-placed lines and that is all quickly changed because within moments after that, they get the knock on the door from the lawyer who's about to tell them that everything is going to change even more because they've just inherited this massive house from their awesome uncle they never met, who we got to meet moments before in the pre-title sequence, where it's an amazing ghost hunt. It blows Ghostbusters out of the water as far as their ghost hunting techniques, and it's it's bloody and violent and scary and insane. Mm-hmm. So I, li- I like that duality in this film, at the very beginning anyway. Like the evil Ghostbusters? It's super evil Ghostbusters, and you meet, it's a super high-tense scene, then you go into this like lovely family kind of feeling. When the movie started, I definitely got a Ghostbusters vibe. It reminded me of the animated series, the Ghostbusters, the, the real Ghostbusters. There was two. There was a filmation one, and then there was the one actually based off of like the movie property that everybody knows. The real Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters. Yeah. That had an episode where there was a guy that was getting rid of ghosts and taking business away from the Ghostbusters. But what he was trying to do was destroy the ghosts 
and that created like a bunch of a swell of negative energy and it eventually made things 10 times worse and so you got the explanation about why the ghostbusters contained ghosts and not killed them killed them but tried to destroy the spirit somehow it instantly reminded me of that. I was like, oh, this is like, this guy's like the evil Ghostbuster that was in that episode <laughs> of the cartoon show. It also had kind of a Jurassic Park vibe to it, like when the Raptors like killing everybody at the start. It was just very indicative of the era in which it was made, where you instantly get a sense of what this movie is going to be presenting to you with this action-packed opening sequence where you're capturing a ghost. You have... Nameless soldiers wearing safety goggles with lights on them. It's raining. It is in a junkyard. Like, so art... where Freddy Krueger's glove is. Where Freddy Krueger's <laughs> glove is like art directed within an inch of its life. You yeah. have a metric fuck ton. A second time in just as many episodes I've said that. I um, love that term. A ton of exposition. You got characters showing up with fucking spell books. You've got. Yeah, all within the like, first like three like, minutes, and you're just like, "Oh my god, let me take a breath here." And then you have characters getting dragged this way and that way. One dude looks like he got nommed by a car, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and instantly it shows you that, oh, okay, they're definitely going for gore, not gore, but they're definitely going for an R rating. And let me tell you, that was not apparent in the advertisements for this movie. Now, I mentioned that I never saw this in the theater. No, and I love that you hadn't. Um, I, when this movie came out in 2001, it was coming out when a lot of remakes on ghost movies were coming out. The House on Haunted Hill was remaked just a year or two beforehand. There was the remake of The Haunting. And then, of course, there was this remake of 13 Ghosts. Now, these were all haunting movies that were... In and around the same time, late 50s, early 60s, mid 60s, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw The House on Haunted Hill in the theaters. It was all right. I liked its darker sensibility. I liked its uh, the violence that was in it. Only because the first Vincent Price one is very campy and... It's not really, I mean, it's a big ruse is what it ends up being. Yeah, yeah. Where in the remake, it's like, oh, no, no, this is fucking ghosts. Yeah, and they're violent ghosts. You like that a little. Yeah, uh, very dangerous spirits. The Haunting, which I can't quite recall if it came out before this or around the same time. I think it came out before. And I saw that in the theater. Oh, I, I feel so bad for you. It was that time when I was going to movies all the uh, all the time, yeah. like every weekend. And so I saw it, and holy fuck, I could not stand it. I what a strict departure. And this really goes to a lot of complaints I'll have about certain remakes in the nineteen sixties and seventies. A lot of movies were getting made. And there were practical reasons for everything. In The Haunting, there's practical reasons why there was no ghosts. There's no (laughs) fucking money. So all they did was put a camera on a doorknob with a face on it and just do a bunch of weird noises and a lot of close-up shots of the actresses reacting to it. And then you got a sense of dread from an inanimate object in a house, which is something we can all relate to. Yes, definitely. In the haunting remake, 
it is just endless CGI. It was like the fucking the the mummy and Van Helsing and all this over CGI'd crap that came out in that era. And look, people like those movies, I'm sorry. But it was just the the age the early ages of digital effects was like a kid discovering masturbation to me. It was just like look <laughs> all at, over the walls, all over the floor, all just, the ceiling, just, all your clothes are crusty. Just it was just so much CGI and it was impressive for the time, but it always looked weird. It even looked weird at the time. You're just like, oh, I guess I'm guessing what it would have looked like well like stop animation look like to people in the 70s and the 80s where you're just like oh you know like i get it it like obviously you know what it is and, yeah but, but i, I mean, like van helsing but a lot of it was in the dark and in the rain so they sort of save themselves a little tiny bit there but yeah i, I could write a book about why i don't like that movie that's but great anyway. you should <laughs> if you riddle with spelling mistakes Audiobook, man. Audiobook. Audiobook is the only way I'd listen to it. Um, But, and so when I saw the trailer, because we're getting derailed and I don't want to go on about movies that aren't the one that we watched, but it it, it was just really aggravating to me watching The Haunting, where I said, you know, they took a really slick piece of filmmaking, really artfully done, and they just put a bunch of CGI effects on it, threw a bunch of money at it, and it was bad. And if you go back and watch The Haunting, that CGI does not hold up. And that's the biggest problem with a lot of old CGI effects is that they just don't hold up. And you can watch The Haunting right fucking now. And look, you will understand what era it was made in, but there is nothing special effects-wise that will jump for you and be like, oh, that's cheesy. Nothing. Like from the swelling door to the lighting effects, it's all really, really good. The Haunting remake is not good. And so I was I was just like, ugh. And when I saw the trailers for 13 Ghosts, nothing indicated to me that it was going to be a serious movie. I thought it was going to be like, like haunting, like cheesy, yeah. bad jokes, PG-13. Like I didn't look into it well enough because you know i saw it like you were somewhat tempered by yeah, I, I was like remains yeah, coming out of time yeah Matt, like matthew lillard i was like you know he's a more comedic actor to me like uh, um and then i see like shannon elizabeth and i'm like isn't she from that american pie flick so i was just like oh they're going for like comedy monks in this like yeah it's gonna be some sort of like mtv yeah type. yeah you yeah. know and, and so i was just pg-13 pile of shit with crap cgi yeah, yeah, and 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 PG thirteen is not a death sentence. It doesn't mean that the movie's going to be bad, but it was just not what I was looking for at the time, and so I completely ignored it. Yeah, which is a, is a shame. Um, me and my mom had watched The Haunting. We rented it, and we were both disappointed by it. Wasted our money, type thing. You know, like oh well, well now we might as well go outside and do yard work because that'll be ten times more thrilling. <laughs> kind of feeling. Um, also because. It, it didn't live up to the original novel and it didn't live up to the story that yeah. we enjoyed at all. Um, which is a, is a shame to say that any movie can ruin a piece of classic ghost literature. But this one we rented and enjoyed it immensely. I at the time hadn't seen the original. My mom had and she was like, you know, it's it's like it, but it's not like a direct remake at all, at all, at all. It's got the same sort of idea. But it's very cool, and she really liked all the the ghosts. And I, I was enamored with this film because of the ghosts in it. Mm-hmm. And watching it now, there's only a few scenes where even then, like you said, you're watching crappy CGI 
you know, 15 years ago, and you know it's crappy CGI, and you're like, meh, whatever, you know, that it's cool looking, I guess. Where now we can be like, that looks like absolute shit. There's only a few scenes in this near the end where it's like, uh, crappy CGI. But for the most part, it's actually surprisingly well done. Well, the ghosts are practical. Yeah, the ghosts that's are. The, that's the big... There's few enhancements, and there's a lot of enhancements of the house. Yes. A lot. Um, but that didn't jump for me for some reason, because I thought enough of the house was real. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Where the haunting... The torso is not entirely practical. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's done well. It doesn't... Yeah. You're not, it's better than watching an asylum film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. What got me interested in this movie was I was scrolling through Tumblr like I do, and I saw it was a it was a photo set, and it was it was all these creatures, all these uh, ghosts or the monstrosities, pretty of cool some looking kind. monsters, yeah. And and I was like, oh, what are these from? And then underneath each one of the pictures of the ghosts was a description, the backstory. Of, of the ghost. And I was reading some of them. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. What is this? And you'd almost be thinking, like, this is someone's R&D for an upcoming pencil and paper RPG or something. Like, yeah, that I, detailed I was, and cool. Yeah, I, I yeah. was like, oh, I like I like these backgrounds. I like the way that these characters look. I'm, I'm, I'm in. What is this? Scroll, scroll, scroll to get to the bottom of it. 13 ghosts. And I was like, no fucking kidding. Really? 13 <laughs> you ghosts. You missed out, sir. I did miss out. Um... There. Although, if you would have watched it from the get-go, like so many people did, you might have disenjoyed it. Yeah, or it would have just become noise. I was seeing so many movies at that time that a lot of t- a, a lot of the times I'll think back to something and be like, oh yeah, I saw that in the theater. And I'll barely remember too much about it and the experience just because it was just every week and it just gets shelved and i think that that for the those that did go out the, to see this and did enjoy it when it came out is that it's just being shelved along with so many other horror films that yeah maybe not that they were bad by any means but maybe just didn't blow them away mm-hmm. so it just gets thrown into a pile so to speak yeah and there are a lot of people that don't like this that's oh for sure. yeah absolutely yeah for stupid reasons in yeah. my opinion but and it does it's not like a perfect film by any means no, not at all no but it's not a bad film i don't think it doesn't deserve to have such a low rating on rotten tomatoes which kind of weirds me out but but. can be said about a lot of things on rotten tomatoes though I, you know i think that people should always check things out for themselves even people listening to this podcast i mean i'm not a fucking expert on anything uh, you're getting my honest opinions about things but that's all it is if i say that i don't like something it doesn't fucking mean anything it just means that I don't like it. Um, and I would never... I, I've gotten so past the point of acting shocked when people don't like things or people haven't seen things. It's just not in my nature anymore. There was definitely a point in my life where I was like, you've never seen this or you didn't like this or you liked that. Yeah, and, like I get the reaction over 13 Ghosts, like you like that movie? And yeah. it's like, well, sorry, fucker. Well, fuck it. You like what you like. Yeah. Um, the one thing that... I wasn't privy to is how much people didn't like it until like 10 years later when people questioned my liking it. And I wasn't a big TV watcher or things like that. I didn't follow like movie news. So when I rented it, it was just genuinely interest in renting it from the name cover 
and the guy, the Matt Lillard that was in it. Yeah. Uh, just a vague interest in that. Um, and my mom was like, oh, yeah, that's a remake of this old ghost film that, yeah, I totally want to see that. And we watched it and enjoyed it, and I've enjoyed it since and had a copy of it for my very own. And it wasn't until years later, looking it up online and stuff like that, that I saw how much of the R&D and how much lore and how much concept there really was going into this. Because it's just not something I generally follow. So it goes to show that I did enjoy this movie enough to look that stuff up, mm-hmm. even 10 and now, what, 15 years later. But it, it kind of still surprises me. Not surprises me in the angry way, but surprises me still that, that there's so much negativity toward this. I think that you're right in the extra work that went into making this movie. So many times I see creatures or ghosts or monsters or whatever the fuck in horror movies and I think to myself, ooh, I want to know a little bit more about that guy. Ooh, or, or she looks really cool. What's her story? And they don't provide it into the movie. Now, this movie also doesn't provide it. But if you do a little research and I think an extra on the DVD. And there's we'll, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes go into it. Each one of these ghosts has a fully fleshed out background about how they became what they are now there's enough visual cues that you could probably get an idea if you're imaginative enough and you know kind of link this whole to the traditional zodiac the way that they put this as a black zodiac yes the the, the black can... zodiac which i thought was a really cool idea a black zodiac it just sounds cool i do yeah and i totally liked it as much now as i did when i first watched it um but this, the background for these characters does remind me of background for people in RPGs or background that is... We're really lucky as horror fans to have something like Clive Barker. Yeah, thanks to Clive Barker and his universe and the Cenobites and things like that. Nightbreed, yeah. specifically. Yeah, Nightbreed, yeah. We've had, in the form of comics, other books, spinoffs, and just more of his tales being spun. We yeah. have all kinds of background for all these people. Mm-hmm. It is really cool that they went to the extra mile. Now, me being a stickler, I would have loved for some of that to actually be in the movie. But you've said it's exposition heavy. And what did you want them to do to hand you a fucking manual before watching the film so that you could read up on all of them? It's true. And there's a lot of exposition. There's there's at least three separate exposition films because the plot of this movie is pretty fucking wacky. The (laughs) idea is that their uncle has been hunting ghosts for a good majority of his life. He is doing this because he found the blueprints, we'll call them, for making a machine. Designed by the devil and powered by the dead. I wonder if the actress who said that line took a moment after she said it out loud for the first time and just said, are you sure this isn't stupid? Because <laughs> it sounds really stupid. But she says it with conviction, so I was like, all right, it is a machine 
designed by the devil, powered by the dead. Now, what does you... So you need to have 12 ghosts that represent specific characters on the Black Zodiac. And once you get them all together, they will power this machine, which has been designed in the form of this giant glass maze of a house with all kinds of levels and secret passages and incantations to keep the ghosts yeah all the all the glass it's like a it's almost like you were to put these ghosts into these containment units into the basement and everything is built for them to run out like a maze they can only go to specific spots and there's places that you can go where you're completely safe from them because these spells in latin that are all over the floors ceilings and walls are things that the ghosts have to obey now matthew lillard's character plays a very powerful psychic extremely powerful to the the point of you feeling for him because he's uh, telemetric and highly psychic mm-hmm. and medium it seems to a certain extent yeah i mean he uh, he can't even really be in the proximity of ghosts for more than four feet before he has severe head pains uh like you said if he touches anybody he gets an entire glimpse of their life so it's got to be really aggravating for someone like him and the uh, this family's uncle uses him to help trap very specific types of ghosts very dangerous types of ghosts. Yeah, keep in mind, like, these are super violent. They all meant violent ends. They were all violent people in life for the most part. And exist, Matthew Lillard's words, in a world only in violence. So violence is all they understand. Yeah. Because he says there's ghosts all over the place, everywhere, and it's no big deal. They don't hurt anybody. Little ghosts here, little ghosts there. Yeah, Yeah. uh, they don't hurt anybody. But these ghosts are dangerous. And holy fuck. Don't think that these are ghosts that are like... Oh, I'm going to blow the curtains and throw some dishes and wobble a chair and ooh, isn't that scary? These ghosts will tear you to shreds. Now, keep in mind, too, they extra double, triple, super mecha fucking really fucking hate Matthew Lillard's character. Yeah. Because not only do they hate everybody and they're just out to kill everyone and they're violent, violent people to begin with and they're violent, violent ghosts and they've killed people after the fact. He put them there. Yeah. So they extra double fucking triple hate him. It's like the prisoners hating the guards, oh, right? Oh, big time. They yeah. want him dead. Or like, you know, Batman goes to Arkham and, ooh, they don't like that. No, not at all. Oh, yeah. Who are they going to gang up on? Him. Oh, yeah. Who do you want as ghost bait? Him. Oh, yeah. And I want to bring it back to the beginning when you said right away from the first scenes, you're going to know that they're going for an R and they're going for some some guts and some blood. They actually have a truck full of blood that they, they call ghost bait at the beginning. <laughs> they do. So you don't need Matthew Lillard as ghost bait entirely. They have a truck of blood to spray blood all over the place to entice the ghost out. So that's what sort of ghosts we're dealing with. Ghosts that you can draw out with a truck of blood. Yeah. I love that. Well, the idea is that each one of these ghosts on the Black Zodiac, their number indicates not only the position on the Zodiac, but as the numbers get higher, the ghosts become more dangerous. Uh, the lower numbers are a little bit more benign and do a lot of sort of spookery, a lot of 
look at how scary I am. But then once you get into like, once you get higher than five, the ghosts actually start actually trying to attack you. And they're super violent. Like they do show a lot of fear. The characters when they encounter the number one of the zodiac, the firstborn. The, the firstborn. Yeah. yeah, which I'd like to equate with Sagittarius because he has an arrow through his head. He does have an arrow through his head. But they just react with such uncommon terror to this mostly harmless ghost. The first one in the zone. He really doesn't do anything. No, he doesn't. But they're all like, oh my god, we gotta get out of here now. And like, yeah. he's just gonna stare at you. And that's all he really does. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty gruesome to see a little kid with an arrow through his head. Oh, yeah. There's that. That might be unsettling for certain people. Yeah. The fact that they have these ghost classes, we'll call them for lack of a better term. I'm sure they call them something in the class, in the movie, but... Spectral viewers. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that. that. Um, they can... It's actually interesting that I, one thing that I dug about the movie a lot that I thought I wouldn't was that they don't really have enough glasses to go around. So they split up very Scooby-Doo-like and everyone has a pair of glasses between them. So the constantly swapping glasses back and forth from each other because one person's freaking out and they're like, what, what, what? And I always love that that they're just like, move. And, and and even after they all know that the place is clearly haunted, ridiculously haunted, and and they've seen some shit, they're still like, what, what? Why should I move? What's going on? What, what's the matter? You know what's the it's matter. Like, somebody... I don't have the glasses on. Well, I do. You have to move. Yeah. Now. I, I was like, why do you have to say more than once yeah. that this person has to move? Um, a little more tension creation, because if you don't have this Zodiac being revealed to you and the machine going into gear by gear mm-hmm. to create some tension, then you need this, right? A bit That's of tomfoolery. The house is very cool looking. I dug the design quite a bit. All the glass looked really interesting. Although, again, no one seemed that weirded out when they got to the house. I mean, a fucking lawyer shows up at your house, hands you... A key that looks like it opens a cosmic portal. You go to this house that doesn't look like any house on Earth. And you open the door and all these fucking spinning locks activate. This door just opens up. It's all glass. You can see through every fucking place. There's like Latin written on all the walls. And everyone's just like, oh, wicked awesome. And the lawyer is just like, you got to buy this house. And the lawyer's character is the weirdest to me because... He clearly knows what the house is and what's going on. Oh, yeah. And he's paying, being paid a hefty sum of money. But, I mean, the, the lawyer character, once uh, shit goes down, he basically goes down to the basement, makes fun of all the ghosts. And it's really <laughs> weird. It's like, you're all stupid. I'm a super hot lawyer. And, and then he lifts up his briefcase full of money, which activates... The house, like it's a fucking Rube Gold machine. Yeah, like a Temple of Doom style. Oh, yeah. Crap I, there. And actually, I knew that, I, like, I, I was like, is this, are all the walls going to start shifting? I feel like this is a wall shifting <laughs> type of movie, and it certainly is. Yeah. And then characters get isolated from each other. I can understand why there's so much exposition in the movies, in the movie, because once the house gets activated, it's really just characters not really having a breath together. They're running and running and running and and you keep getting very quick flashes of these ghosts which 
can feel like it's overloading your senses at time, which is cool because there's a claustrophobic nature to it. Yeah. Because even though everything's expansive and you can see through the other walls, um, you can't hear through the other. You walls. can't hear through the other walls. It is soundproof, shatterproof. They cover that. Yeah. Um, and so most of the exposition, as far as how the house works. Maybe not why, but how it works and stuff and what they need to deal with is laid out pretty organically. True. And in the final, there is a library scene where, <laughs> which I thought you would enjoy. Of course it. And where the one thing that I bumped into immediately where I was like, come the fuck on. But it, it explains it later was where the ghost hunter woman, who's like the good ghost hunter, yeah. who was in the beginning of the movie... With her husband or mate or partner was I guess it was her husband. I don't know her boyfriend. Her somebody, boyfriend. somebody, somebody that looked like she was close with who was against the uncle, and and Matthew Lillard's character. She's just in the house, and and I was like, what's? And I was like, there was a part where they were going to the house where they kind of cut to her in like a vague montage thing, and I was like, oh yeah, that character's there. And I was like, is she gonna show up? How could she show up? The house is sealed. And then all of a sudden she's just sort of there as as fucking Billy Badass and throwing flares and the ghosts run away. <laughs> Very Tomb Hunter or Tomb, uh, uh, tomb Raider, Tomb Raider, yeah. I, and I was just like, come the fuck on. How did she get into the house? And she just throws a bunch of like... Oh, I just slipped in when the glass was shifting. And it's like, well, can we get out that way? No. No, it's closed now. It's closed now. Yeah. Forget about that. Yeah. Forget about that. I was like, oh my God. And so I thought, it's like, probably the only hint, though, that she's a lying bitch. But yeah, yeah, but you don't know that. And I thought that was... I did not see that coming whatsoever. And the, especially since, wow, it looks like the uncle's ghost is, is haunting the place. Now, we haven't explained what this fucking machine even does. What this machine is for is to unlock something called the Oculus Inferno. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Oculus Infernum, I believe. Infernum, and it is the Eye of Hell, or Eye of Fire, or what was it? Eye of Hell. Eye of Hell. Yeah, it's a, it's a gate. It's a hell gate. Is it's what a hell gate. Opening. What this will allow a person who enters it to do is to see everything, to have ultimate knowledge of Life and death, the past, the future, the damned, and the saved. And it, you can rule the world. Rule the world because whatever because, evil villain wants. Yeah, it, it essentially will grant someone ultimate knowledge and ultimate power. It is something that probably has a hefty price. That I think that if the guy actually got it, there was probably something he hadn't considered because I I have a hard time believing that the devil would build a machine to give a human this type of power what's the point why would why would you grant why would you leave that into the moral realm in a con, in a near consequence free environment to give someone more the, the power of god essentially to watch them try and use it cuz it's hilarious Made Maybe. for a good movie. The devil sitting back being like, 13 ghosts. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good thing I dropped that arcanium in the 15th century in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> now, the 13th ghost is a rather special ghost. It is a ghost that doesn't exist yet. Because the 13th ghost has to be created through supreme sacrifice of love. And so the whole thing was orchestrated. 
and a very labyrinthian plot. Yes, it really, really is. It's a Rube Goldberg machine plot. <laughs> um, where the father is going to have to sacrifice himself to save his children to get them out of the house. I thought that this was very much in keeping with a lot of fears that parents have. Because I heard my father say this having a nightmare one time, which is a very common nightmare I understand for parents, where it is having to choose between your children's lives and then killing yourself. Yeah. Um, I've seen that referenced in a lot of narrative. I've seen that referenced in my own life. So the idea that a father would be literally shown his children tied up back to back like fucking dick dastardly yeah, <laughs> like, very much, very much like so. like tie them to the train tracks yeah and, and he's facing down just this random rotating shit that he just jumps in and then you're just gonna die it seems very much the most literal interpretation of that nightmare or fear that you could possibly fucking make in a movie we say a lot more of it in drama for sure. A lot more of it in drama. And usually it's not films that I watch or enjoy. And I usually when it comes to that mushy save my children stuff, I'm just not that, that was That was the thing when I turned to you after the, the when the credits started rolling. And I was like, the 13th ghost is love, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> and I just shrugged. Which if this was any other movie, I'd be like, yeah, that's no lame. I, that's crap. Yeah, totally. Uh, but... <laughs> this one gets a pass. Why does it get a pass? Why does it get a pass? Because yeah. it had so much buildup and a guy pulling bolts out of his shoulders yeah. and it had a guy sliced in half. I got it. And it had a chick with scars all over her hanging out in a bathtub full of blood looking at this other chick all like, what the fuck? Yeah. And it had all kinds of that. And it had the jackal. The I jackal. love the jackal. I love the jackal, Jackal's too. So the jackal cool. was probably my favorite of the 13th goes very fierce and the juggernaut he had he had almost all the wounds that michael myers would have had if he mm -hmm. showed his wounds well know? he was a he was a serial killer that worked in a junkyard and then when the police came to arrest him he killed three cops and then got lit the fuck up yeah and that was how his spirit was created so like i said like all of these these backgrounds for these ghosts are really fucking cool and honestly honestly i think that the design of the ghosts and the lore that I'm aware of makes this kind of a better movie than it is. Uh, but, uh, but I mean, the, could that not be said about a lot of things where you're just like, I didn't like that, but the monster was cool. Or, you know, like how many, like that's like, yeah. that's very common in horror. So I'm not going to say like, this movie's a farce, you shouldn't like it. No, I liked it. But I think what I'm responding to is probably what you're responding to is the fact that you just look at those fucking monsters and they're awesome they was, are really awesome it was like frank it was like frankenstein's army you know what i'm saying where we were yeah. watching this and i'm like eh that's a shoestring plot at best but everyone looks so fucking cool and, and like to the point where i'm just like and i had this exact same thought when we watched frankenstein's army i was like "Ooh, i i almost feel like each one of these guys could have all its own movie around it and then I would watch a movie with each one of these guys as like the killer in the movie. I feel the same with the thirteenth ghost. Thirteenth uh, ghost, the thirteen ghosts. Yeah, fuck the thirteenth ghost. Yeah, no, that, that yeah. was the that was the that was the love ghost. That was I'm the not stupid ghost. That was the stupid ghost. Yeah. But the twelve ghosts, 
The Black Zodiac is an amazing lore. And... That's a really cool concept. And the best thing about it is all those ghosts are still around. Yeah, and, they just and, traipsed off into and the And now house. they're free. So I was like, where's my... Where's my sequel? Where's my yeah. other 13 ghost movie? Where's my 12 ghosts? You yeah. could just do another movie yeah. called 12 Ghosts. Yeah. It'd be a cool thing to write. I think it'd be a really cool thing to write because of that lore that existed for research and development and prototypes. Yeah. And it could be was like the... used really, 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 really well. You could fucking do it like Nightbreed, but like it's ghosts and, and like mm-hmm. make them like fucking a gang. I don't know. Like just do something with them. Now, the only film where there's a parallel sort of like that, it would be Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Which had a much better reception for sure. Yeah. Much, yeah. much better. Much um, better. Now, you could, you can't look at those creatures and want another film based on the creatures themselves. So I think it has a lot to say about like the the problems with 13 Ghosts, any of the problems that people perceive with Cabin in the Woods. It's like 13 Ghosts is basically a better film. It is, but Cabin in the Woods gives that thing that the general audience, this is not a knock, but it is a fucking fact. uh, uh, Cabin in the Woods winked at the camera and said it was stupid. Yeah. So, and so people were just like, oh, we can like it I'm now. allowed to like I'm it. I'm allowed to like this because yeah. it's stupid. And it knows it. Yeah, it knows it's stupid and it's all stupid. Yeah. And so, and, and honestly, and like, I don't want to get into a whole fucking rant about that movie. No. But. Yeah. But there is a parallel. And yeah. you had pointed out, um, not, I'm not, even when I would be like, why don't people like this? I don't really care about the answer. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. Um, but it does need to be asked when you look at a 14% rating on Rotten Tomatoes for a movie that really isn't that bad. Yeah. Um, oh, there's way worse out there. Than oh, this. for fuck's sakes, totally. But you had pointed out that, you know, this didn't have the machine behind it, of course, that yeah. films do. Internet Movie Database existed in In 2001, yeah. And... Viral campaigns did exist at that time. Word of mouth existed, things like that. Yeah. You could have probably looked up the lore and all the R&D for this online at the time, but it didn't have the same sort of shareability. It nah. didn't have the same sort of um, horror journalism behind it. It didn't nah. have a lot of nah. things that push these films nah. now. I guarantee you, if this movie came out now, those ghosts would be front and center. Oh, shit. All yeah. of, like, they would... They would probably do like a fucking like expose about all their backgrounds, like just get everyone super. Oh, there would excited. be there would be fifteen minute fucking short films oh, on YouTube. Oh yeah, once oh a yeah, week that'd be leading great. up to the release. Oh hell yeah. yeah, and 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 I'm telling you, like with with the internet, that's a fucking good idea. And the fact that they were all um, physical effects, right? So yeah, it's all practical yeah. as far as the ghosts are. And the makeup is impeccable, I think. It's, it's a really, really well done makeup. So they could have used that so well with a campaign leading up to the release. Oh, yeah. I honestly think that it was just a case of... It was advertised as a... As a first of all, I didn't get a sense that it was even going to be as gory as it was. No. Not from the trailers. Because I remember the trailers for this movie. Because I remember when you said... Oh, we're going to do this movie. I purposefully, I didn't want to read anything. I didn't want to go back and I didn't want to pre-watch it. I was like, I'll just get my authentic reaction. Yeah, and you were frozen in what you knew at the time. Yeah, and and honestly, had I seen this movie I, at the time, I would have been like, yeah, it was all right. It was it was pretty good. But that uh, that being said, it could have also have just been shuffled into a huge pile of other big CGI. No, I don't want to say CGI, but like big production horror movies. 
$42 million budget on this flick. I can believe that. That is massive. Mostly spent on CGI. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because there's a lot of stuff that maybe now with a larger studio available and things like that, Mm -hmm. it probably could have been constructed and even more physical used in it. But at the time, there was a push for CGI. And this was a push for not only using quite a bit of CGI... Not really to enhance the monsters quite as much, but, you know, to, to smooth it all out. But for the backgrounds and the machine, not only did they have the push to have CGI and good CGI, it had to be fucking good CGI. So it was really probably state-of-the-art, the best fucking CGI available. They probably paid yeah. through the nose for even, everything. E- even the scenes that I thought towards the end when the big devil machine... When the big devil machine is spinning around and all the cogs are sort of going. I thought to myself, you know, this looks pretty good for the time. I got to say, it's not like when you go back and you watch the haunting or if you go back and watch, Oh, recently uh, I watched um, a couple of scenes from the star Wars movies when George Lucas re-released them with CGI in them. Yeah. It's like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> it's so crappily done yeah. and that's like fucking like fucking lucasfilm doing cgi back in the 90s and like that was as good as it got and i was like this looks like a child drew over top of a movie and said look what i did and you're just like oh this is great and you hang it up on a fridge it looks like dog shit. The only and, thing, the only thing that really sticks out to me as not as not effective CGI in this is um, when a human has to interact with the machine, basically, mm-hmm. unfortunately, and they do they ever interact with it? Someone gets chopped right up by all these spinning uh, cogs and layers and and rings of metal, right? Yeah. And but it is fairly quick. Mm-hmm. There was um, there was a scene uh, one the lawyer character gets it. In a scene that I have seen 10,000 times. Yeah, we all like slicing stuff up. Especially since the cell. When we get to see a horse sliced uh, up. Yeah, the cell. I was was reminded of the cell. I was reminded of Cube. I was reminded of Resident Evil. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, this was definitely the era where it was just like, oh, we can, we can show someone get sliced in half, stand there for, oh, 30 seconds, (laughs) while, uh, like while well, all of a sudden people slowly get uh, slowly fall apart. Interesting fact: this was produced by Dark Castle. Right after this, Ghost Ship. I liked Ghost Ship, but I also hated Ghost Ship. But but, but like Dark Castle has this thing of slicing people in half. Yeah, that was yeah. my thing. I was like, because everyone was just like the most shocking first five minutes of a movie ever, and I, and I remember watching Ghost Ship. I was like. Eh. Pretty shocking. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I like that. I was like, I hate the whole fucking concept of the movie. Yeah. But, but at the same yeah. time, I, when you look back at uh, Dark Castle's history, they really made a lot of horror movies for a lot of money. Like forty million dollars is the standard. And when people ask me today, how much do you? How much does like a big horror movie cost? Uh, I, uh, the the figure that always sits in my head is around twenty million dollars. If you're getting into twenty million dollar territory for a horror movie, you're in the fucking big leagues. That is a massive budget for a horror flick. Yeah. But like I was looking at it consistently 
40, 45 million dollars to make some of these things. And the things. producers they had at the helm of this, uh, I can't remember their names, but they were guys that were making things like Back to the Future and mm. The Matrix mm-hmm. and really huge budget films. They were used to being able to toss money around. So I think 40 million was sort of like, oh, we'll see what we can do with yeah. 40 million. Where we as, like, if we were a horror producers, we'd be like, $40 million? That's like twice what I would have ever hoped to dream. Is it going to take $10 million and throw it in the lake? Like, there's, <laughs> exactly. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> yeah. But used really effectively, I think. Yeah. Maybe they should have taken $10 million and not quite thrown it in the lake, but thrown it into a little more promotion or something. Or handing everyone a little lore book, a little manual, so you could read up on all the little ghost zodiac and get into it. I submit that... This movie could have had 30 more minutes added to it. And you could have done that. Mm-hmm. It To stretch out, like, look, I understand that the type of movie they're making, 90 minutes, that's what you pretty much want. Because they wanted to make an action movie, action yeah. haunting movie with, with horror elements into it. You don't want to spe- You don't want to make an audience sit for two hours for that. But if I could submit that instead of going for more action beats, go for more suspense, draw things out a little bit more, change the feel of the flick, and it would, but you could have thrown... The the, the exposition would have been less obvious because it wouldn't have been all clunked together. Yeah. Um, We would have been able to spend more time with the ghosts, which are frankly the stars of the show. They really are. And then the, the plot twist would seem crazier the tension built for a guy trying to save his family after they've been to this extensive journey because you could have had those ghosts you could have had like individual moments which each one of these characters really stretched it out and had real confrontation with a lot of these spirits and maybe even get a sense of of you know that the spirits are angry that's a given but you could have like fucking, I don't know. There could there could have been more information about it. Well, they I, already do the suspense correctly, so you know that they have the tools in their toolbox to be yeah. able to have done that. Yeah. And they do spend one scene, which is uh, one of my favorite scenes when you first are when you're first meeting the ghost, because we are introduced to the ghost slowly. Um, the angry princess with the scars all over her. There's a scene with the daughter in the bathroom and she's like, oh my God, this house is beautiful. Oh, look at this bathroom. And she's like preening herself in the mirror and checking out the bathroom like a teenage girl would. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ghost is behind her. She, They haven't learned that the place is haunted yet. They haven't learned how to use the glasses yet. Mm. Um, but we can see the ghost. She can't. And the ghost is like mooning around behind her and looking in the mirror and... She had died a lot to do with her vanity, so you get a little sense of that, even though it's not clearly telegraphed. But you have a really cool scene of how bloody and gory and horrible she looks and what a horrible end she had. There's I'm sorry painted in her own blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. And the teenage girl is oblivious to all of this. There's blood it, yeah. absolutely fucking everywhere. And then she's the ghost is in the tub where she had died, which we get a sense of. Um, with her butcher knife and she looks pissed mm. and the daughter is like almost face to face with her without realizing it so we sort of get that story you know we're being shown this this angry ghost if we would have had that sort of scene to set up the attitudes of these ghosts mm-hmm. toward the people around them we would have had a much better sense of their lore without having it told to us in a library scene yeah 
it would have been cool to have that because once you're that bathroom scene is the closest you get to entering that ghost's world. Well, you don't get it with any other ghost. And I would have liked that with the other ghosts because I was like, I mean, maybe it's a little bit too much like a video game. Like each ghost has a level, but like, (laughs) I would play that video game. Me too. Yeah. Uh, but I think that it would have went a long way into explaining a little... Like I said, you don't have to beat somebody over the head with exposition. But that scene told the story. And 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 I was like, I wonder why they're spending so much time with this ghost. Is it because she's naked? Partially. Um, <clears throat> I think partially, yes. Also, she was just one of the more recently released ghosts. Um, yeah. Because they were released in order. So they do sort of have their own levels, so yeah. to speak. And I'm sure there's stuff on the cutting room floor that yeah. would have like lent itself to that idea. But they do spend a lot of time with her, yeah, because she's naked. yeah, And because she has a, a really all more touching backstory. And she can be aligned a little more readily with the teenage girl that's living, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably why they spend so much time with her. And the only other... The female, the other female ghosts are, are quite haggy and women in black looking or the mom who we do spend not quite as much time with. But I'm really glad that it's she was worked into the Zodiac, the black Zodiac, mm-hmm. because if that mother ghost would have been showing up to her son throughout this film like she did, because we got a little bit of story with her, too. She's one of the other ghosts we spend more actual time with. Mm-hmm. That's when I start rolling my eyes and being like, oh, of course his mom's ghost's there to help him and save him or blah 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 mm-hmm. But the fact that she's part of the Zodiac, she gets a pass too. And also, it's very specific about the why the family was really chosen. Yeah. And it has something to do with the plot. Because, you know, the the, the ghost hunter lady that breaks into the house... She's in cahoots with the uncle, who's not actually dead. And, and and it was weird because I was like, if he's not actually dead, why all the artifice? Like, why does he have, like, his makeup done like he is dead? How did he accomplish any of that? Like, especially at the junkyard. It's like, what did he do? Did he have, like, prop pieces ready? And he's just like, I'm going to lie down like this. But I was like, whatever. I guess. It's fine. Because, <laughs> because, I, because it didn't make sense to me. I was like, how could a guy that meticulously planned everything got a a powerful psychic hunted down 12 ghosts had the money and resources to do that do the resources or have the the resources and information to build a house with like magical spells inscribed in the wall and make a maze make this fucking devil machine and do all of this fucking shit and he could, and the one thing he couldn't plan is to keep his dumbass alive the <laughs> entire time he's doing this. So I was watching this. I was like, "This guy sure went to a lot of trouble. What are these ghosts for? And why is he dead? Because it seems like he went to a lot of trouble for all of this. Yeah. So it doesn't make it. It's like, oh well, you know, he didn't obviously he didn't plan on dying. I'm like, no one plans on dying, but this guy fucking planned on everything. Yeah. So he had to be under the impression that he could possibly die. So that's probably why he had so many other people there. And you started to sort of convince yourself, like, he knew how dangerous these ghosts were. Knew that if they're going to turn on anyone, it's him and his psychic. So maybe he had 
not planned for his own death, but thought he might at any point. Yeah, so, but then of course you realize that it's all just a, a big ruse. Oh, it's Twisty McTwists. Oh, yeah. It's a super twist. I would have liked the twist more, again, if we had a little bit more time. It seemed kind of... Abrupt? Very abrupt, yeah. <laughs> kind of abrupt where you're like, well, wait, what, what, what? Like, yeah. if I were to look down at my phone for five seconds, which I shouldn't because I have respect for cinema, but if I had and I looked up, I'd have been like, oh... Because she's passionately into him. He's very mean to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then she meets her end rather gruesomely. Almost unbelievable, too, because you get, from the get-go, you meet this, like, Tomb Raider, super She-Ra type girl. Yeah, she's not afraid of these ghosts, and she has all these spells and knows mm-hmm. how to handle them. And the second this guy shows up... She's withers. <laughs> she's like, oh, I have vipers. Yeah, he's such a great man. I gotta go sit down on the porch. I did everything I, you asked. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. simpering little fool. It's 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 too abrupt almost for that character. It's a change. massive character change, yeah. and not enough insight is given into the relationship or how everything sort of came about. So it didn't. It was it was twisty. It was a good twist because. It was shocking, but I, I needed more details. I'm assuming that it all comes down to money because a lot of people's attitudes are changed really quickly because of money in this one. Yeah. And that's a lot like the original because it really is all about money. And that's yeah. all that the couple in the original cares about is money. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you can really convince anything of anyone in, with money. And the same holds true in the remake mm-hmm. because um, even Matthew Lillard... I keep wanting to say Lillard. <laughs> Even Matthew Lillard's character, where he is terrified and adamant against having anything to do he wants out of the house, and they're like, here, I'll give you all the money that he owes you. And he's like, okay, follow me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where he, I'm assuming that she has been bought and sold. Even after he glimpsed his own demise. Yeah. Which I yeah. thought was crazy. And he's not going to doubt himself. I'm pretty sure he's never... He doesn't... He didn't seem to say that he has had visions that weren't true. No. He seems to always have accurate visions. So, yeah, he definitely knew he was going to die now. I, I thought that that was really strange because he was very much in it for himself. He wanted the money. And then when they were stuck in the house, he knew better than anybody how dangerous those spirits were. And he wanted out of the house. No questions asked. I do not care about your family. I want out. And then he has this shift. Even after glimpsing his own death, he's still going to push forward. And he says to the dad, he's like, well, we'll we'll get them together. I'm like, where'd this come from? I know. I'm really glad. And it's a sort of movie where if you had interjected some sort of love interest in the daughter and him or something it would be like oh of course he wants to fuck the daughter so that's why he'll you know now save everybody but i'm glad that he just sort of decided that you know what i'm not going to be a shit anymore and i'm just going to help these people and i think that's what his shift was was being called out for being a manipulative not caring demented asshole you know so i was thinking about was the fact that at the end of this movie Matthew Lillard's character shows up as a ghost because he did accurately glimpse his demise and had a very uh, gruesome death, was was beaten to death. I'm all proud of myself because I had a human reaction. You did have a human reaction. I did. Uh, he, he very gruesomely dies and then shows up at the very at the 
the very moment as a spirit. Uh, another Dark Castle film that was the remake of The House on Haunted Hill. At the end of that movie, Chris Kattan's character, who dies midway through the flick, shows up as a ghost at the very end of like the big climactic moment. I was like, <laughs> why do they both have the same thing happen? Looks very similar stories. Yeah. Very similar. They are very similar stories. And in fact, after watching this and then doing a bit of research, I said, oh, I see. This, the, the Castle Dark Castle production did this. Did both of them. Yeah. That's why they remind me of each other. Because even the violence in the House on ha- Haunted Hill remake is pretty much on par with this. It has the same level of nudity. It has the same level of violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same budget, same caliber of acting. I think they're both really good remakes. Which is an interesting point. This is the first remake that we've ever done. And we don't talk about remakes much. But in the horror community, very contentious. Oh my shit. Yeah. To the, the point that sometimes you, you, almost, you can almost smell when you don't want to talk about remakes to a horror fan. Because they're going to go ballistic for a half hour about how much they hate everything. Absolutely. And then, it. yeah, sometimes you can have a normal conversation about remakes yeah. and their merits. Downfalls. Yeah, yeah. there. I get asked this question frequently. I never, we, I've never talked about it on the show because I always feel like it could turn into a whole fucking thing, almost like a whole episode. Yeah, we should just do a whole conversation episode called remakes. Remakes. What do we think about it? But fuck the. My opinion on remakes is I'm a complicated person. As a complicated person, I like some things. And I dislike others. And if you ask me what my top five favorite horror movies are today, I'll tell you one list. And if you ask me six runs from now, I'll tell you a different list. Same with songs. Same with everything. I just, my moods shift. Like the wind. He's often said that because he didn't like a film, we might do it for the show. And he might like it now. Who knows? He doesn't know. Yeah, I know. There are definitely movies on the list that we're going to be doing that I don't like. uh, That I I think I don't like. But fuck, I don't know. Maybe I like them now. We'll we'll, find out. We'll see because maybe I always think that maybe I'll see something that I didn't see before. My maturity as a storyteller has come along. I mean, sometimes when I'm saying like, I didn't like this movie. I was like 16 when I saw it. So who knows? Sometimes when I'm saying I like this movie, I was 20 when I saw it. So yeah. Yeah. So it depends. With remakes, sometimes I like to keep a steady hand and remind people that the best case scenario of a remake is you're going to have a brand new movie that you're going to love. Worst case scenario for a remake, it's going to remind you about why you liked the original so much. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Will remakes stand the test of time? Will they ever really be someone's favorite movie? Who knows? What I can tell you is there are good remakes out there. And there's actually remakes that are so good that people forget that they're remakes. And we're not necessarily talking about when they have an Asian horror and two years later the American remake comes out. That's not, not necessarily not what we're talking necessarily. about. necessarily. We're mostly talking about things from the 50s, 60s, 70s mm-hmm. that might have been forgotten or just aren't as uh, popular. There's a, a great example that a lot of people go to is John Carpenter's Thing. That is a beloved movie amongst the horror community. Mm-hmm. People go apeshit for that movie. Rightfully so. 
I love it. Oh, it's a great film. Um, that is a remake, and a lot of people forget or just sort of brush it over. Well, you know. Or I'd like to cred check other horror fans to see if they know that. <laughs> it happens. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great example, too. And then you have the remake of the thing. Yeah, well, that was a pre- the, the that was the prequel, but I th- but I thought that was crazy to me. And prequels and sequels are the same thing. People always kind of go apeshit over things like "Don't touch it, no more." I'm sick of this. I want something new. Eh, you do. You think you do, and you and maybe you're right. But also, Hollywood and any sort of studio is always going to chase where the money is. That is nothing new. That is as cliched as sequels and remakes and prequels are in your mind. So you can't blame people for doing the same things over and over again. And when they don't, when they give you a sequel that's wholly original or a prequel that's wholly original, you don't like it. Yeah, you're gonna, they're going to be facing the exact same sort of resistance. So, exactly. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. So... I, there's definitely directions that horror films go in that I don't like, but we'll stick to remakes right now. Remakes of things that people are either underappreciating, aren't aware of, have become lost in time. Yeah. The Crazies was a good example. The Crazies is a good example. That was a good that was a good flick. Um, How many people have watched the original? Or like, like 13 Ghosts. Yeah, I, 13 Ghosts. Me yeah. and my mom and the only, maybe Amy are the only yeah. people I know that have watched the original. And Howard. Howard Sonnenberg from Ottawa Horror. Mm-hmm, He's mm-hmm. one of the few horror fans that I know that if haven't already seen it just naturally because he's been watching horror all of his life, would seek out the mm-hmm. original and watch it before usually seeing a remake coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crazies is a good example of something that um, I, for some, I no, I, I'm positive I've seen the original. Now I don't even know. I just remember really bad um, containment suits. but There's that, yeah. yeah. Well, they yeah. didn't really have a lot of money for that floor. No, exactly, but... Probably ninety percent of the people that flock to the theaters to see the crazies and enjoy that film. For me, I haven't seen it. For me, when it comes to remakes, when I dislike them, is when it's shot for shot, or when I feel like they're trying too hard to provide too much backstory. They're trying too hard to explain killers or explain reasons for things but that being said i've seen perfectly good horror movies get ruined by director's cuts where there's too there's now too much footage i'm just like oh my god now like there's nothing there's nothing to the imagination i love that type of stuff or it wasn't as tight like you were saying having about 30 minutes more to 13 ghosts um, it might have sacrificed a little bit of that action, which I don't oh, it, think it, it would have. But yeah, that's what I, director's I, cuts sometimes do. Yeah. A really good example is the Alien sequel. I watched the director's cut for the first time with someone who had never seen the second Alien movie. And when I was watching it, I was like, ugh. <laughs> like, and, and they don't know, but I was just like, you know that big reveal with the Alien Queen where they only vaguely mention it? And you forget about it. Like, what's laying these eggs? Like, they ask this question. You're like, what is laying the eggs? And then all of a sudden, Ripley and Newt are faced with the alien queen. And it is one of the fucking most awesome sequences. That's like, it looks so cool in the lighting. And you're like, 
Oh my god. Fucking terrifying. This is, like, the aliens themselves are terrifying. Here's one that's, like, fucking 20 feet tall. And and just, and, like, the head is just so elegant. And, And you had no idea. And you're like, oh, that's what's laying the eggs. They have this whole fucking scene in the director's cut where they... They basically say there's got to be an a, there's got to be a queen there's got to be a queen that's laying these eggs. They explain it away, and, and I'm just like, oh, don't do that because it ruins it. Or um, the 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 worst part of it is there's this whole sequence on the planet before the Marines get there, and I was like, this movie. I mean, James Cameron, what he did with the the Alien sequel, really interesting. It became an action movie. It completely changed what the Alien franchise was. I love it. But, I mean, it's very different. But it works. It's it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, and really, the, there's a few tension scenes in that flick. Not like the first one, where it's like lots of long scenes with lots of waiting. And, and so tense. Like, and oh my god. When things jump out, like, fucking shit my pants. But, like, <laughs> they have, like, uh, they go to the planet beforehand. So you see Newt and her brother and their family. And, like, you see... The, the facility is all hustling and bustling and there's tons of people around and you're just like, ugh. I was like, this was so much more effective when you, the first time you go to that planet, you don't see, like, the facilities, it looks like people just packed up yeah, and yeah. vanished. Because you already have like, that hopelessness. The, yeah, it, it's like you're, you're walking around, you see, like, a half-eaten donut just, like, drenched in water and you see people crudely have tried to barricade themselves from what? and 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 you don't know what the fuck's going on. And and I was like, by the time you, and and by the time you get to the planet, you know what happened. Not because you've seen the movie before, but you've seen it populated. Yeah. So you and and you see the face hugger already. So it's I don't know. Like the director's cut, honestly, in my opinion, ruins that flick. But we were talking about remakes. Well, fuck, I'm sorry. Like, I, <laughs> this is the problem with talking to me about this shit. So there are good remakes. There are remakes that I like. Um, uh, the the thing's a good example. I liked. The the Friday the Thirteenth uh, remake I like that quite a bit I think it's completely works as a Friday the Thirteenth movie I think it's funny that they, people consider it a remake because it honestly that could have been inter that could have been sliced in anywhere after two and anywhere before nine and I don't think anyone would notice no it's true <laughs> it's, it's, it's really true. I was like it's Jason it's Camp Crystal Lake it's teenagers it's tits it's... I felt the same way about the remake of Evil Dead which I finally have watched mm-hmm. um, where it's not really a remake it's just complete it stands on its own yeah. and I'm I'm only like mildly irked that they consider it a remake and that it shares the title uh, it feels like that they're pulling a slight in a way on people who are going to see a remake mm-hmm. um, so of course some people are going to be a little bit like turned off of that yeah but it's it's a very minor thing yeah they should have given it another title as far as i'm concerned but i'm waiting for something like the entity which a lot of people haven't seen the original many many people are going to be going into that film with absolutely no background there's going to be people like with 13 ghosts that don't even know that it's a remake oh yeah and there are going to be those people that are like, oh, don't touch the beloved entity. That's my favorite film ever. And mm-hmm. how dare they? Mm-hmm. So there's definitely going to be all those different shades of remake viewers, right? Going into the entity. So I'm excited to see that. I'm really excited to see what they do with it. Very, very excited. Um, at first, it was a little bit like, oh, God, no. But it depends on who's attached to it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who's remaking it? Yeah, I liked I liked the Evil Dead remake quite a bit. I wasn't interested at first, and then I started hearing from people that I trusted that I should go check it out, and I did, and I was like, wow, you know, I dig this flick. Another remake that is a little controversial, because I know people have this problem with uh, fast zombies and slow zombies. I loved the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, actually, that's a good example. I really, really liked it. And and do I like it better than Romero's? No, I like them both the same, honestly. And, and honestly, yeah. I treat them almost like two completely different movies. They're zombie movies that take place in a mall. Yes, the zombies are fast, but let me tell you something. The Dawn of the Dead remake was the first time when I saw the trailers for that flick, I was like... Oh my god, like these scenes where they're wading through dead. Just so many zombies. And that's what I always wanted to see. I always wanted just just to see a hopeless amount of zombies everywhere. With me, it was, yeah, now he can do whatever he wants. Awesome. Yeah, Yeah. And, and, uh, and so the Dawn of the Dead remake I thought was really fucking strong. Great special effects. I liked all the characters. Yeah. And, and, and I understand, and like that's a big gamble because the Romero series like like you don't want to like like the, talk the about, holy of holy like talk about horror fans like not wanting any part of that and of course the whole like they run boo <laughs> like of all and you want to know something the I take that as like the only fucking thing you can find wrong with this movie is that the zombies are fast well some of the things about this film 13 ghosts that people found wrong with it is that it was too loud why don't you turn that down, that racket? Why don't you turn that down? Now, I do get pissed off when I'm trying to listen to a film and people are whispering and then all of a sudden there's a huge crescendo fucking music or all of a sudden rock music when the scene changes, smash cut to a fucking punk show or whatever, and it fucking way too loud. This film that people complain about the loud wasn't even that bad. You know, it's funny because I had... Com- you told me that going into this movie, and I'd completely forgot that that was what was said about it. That was one of the complaints. Yeah, in initial reviews is that it was too loud. I I I, I could agree with people saying that certain scenes in Queen of the Damned were too loud. I was like, holy fuck! Or um, out of the horror realm, the Dungeons and Dragons movie that came out like fifteen years ago. There was scenes in that that were so loud, I literally could not hear the dialogue yeah. in the theater. Yeah. In the theater. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what are they saying? I can't hear it over the music. There's, I watch a lot of like indie horror and stuff, and there's a difference between large, big theatrical sound that might not be balanced properly, where you're getting scenes that are far too quiet and scenes that are far too loud. And an independent feature where everything's way too fucking loud or everything's way too fucking quiet except all the score. And that's super fucking annoying. And they're treating this like that's the problem when it's really not. And it feels to me a lot of times like that's the only thing that they're really hating on this film. Mm -hmm. Or was this the beginning of hating on remakes? Well, there was a couple of... I remember uh, in the back in the day... When the Psycho remake got made. Now, I remember that was the first time I ever really heard a lot of complaints coming out of anybody, especially the media. That's another one that's nuts to me because I enjoyed both equally. Really? Oh, yeah. That's one of those things where I didn't like it because it was just a shot for shot remake. Look, I get it. The guy was just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm making Psycho again with Vince Vaughn. I was like, all right. But I mean, I just... 
that is definitely a movie where I was like, I'd rather just watch the original. If it's literally the exact same thing. Have you watched the remake of Pet Cemetery? No. Okay. No, wait, is it Pet Cemetery? No, wait, sorry, I'm thinking of if you've watched the remake of The Shining, the TV remake. The one that Stephen King famously hated, The Shining, for a couple of reasons. He didn't like the the casting of Nicholson. No. Because he thought that it changed the story from, is this person going to go crazy, to... When is this person yeah, this going guy's to go crazy? A time bomb. Because yeah. he's because he, you know, he's got a very coiled spring right from the get go. A secondary problem he had apparently That's the cool. the fact that Stanley Kubrick was an atheist. So I guess he had a problem with the idea of if you don't believe in God, you believe in ghosts, and if you don't believe in any of that, then why are you making? And what are you doing in my book? What are you doing yeah. in my book? So he, he hated it so much. Yeah, he was like, I'm making my own. Which succeeded to a certain extent. There yeah. are people that enjoy that one much more. I've never seen it. Uh, I've seen it. Me and my mom watch it. I don't know. We like them both. I I like the Kubrick one better. The 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 Shining was one of those flicks that made me really realize that I'm not a smart man, and I didn't <laughs> get it. I, I watched it and I was like, I don't get this. The remake made me think that I would have more enjoyment reading the book because it's longer and it's slower. Mm-hmm. Um, and there really isn't much comparison between the story of the book and the story of the Kubrick film. I like them both di- for different reasons. But the remake, while far like closer, more in tune with the book, just made me think that I should read the book instead. Yeah, get more enjoyment out of reading the book. Yeah. Psycho, on the other hand, is one of those things where they all can exist in the exact same fucking echelon to me. Reading the book, watching the original, watching the remake. I like it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's and that's definitely fair. Um, I, I, the, the, the culture of hating remakes, I think, has probably already always existed in a sense. But now, thanks to Twitter and Facebook and everything else people can complain about everything just a little louder you also get that um the stickiness of opinion you know you know it's like this um personality cult so whoever's the most interesting gregarious screaming loud person more people are going to agree with them so then like iron filings people all sort of gravitate to that Mm -hmm. exact same fucking opinion so if someone you like says that they don't like something and then everyone else around them is saying they don't like it and you're eventually saying it too. You're influencing all the other people around you, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of real loud mouths online. That's true. But, you know, the, the 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 interesting thing for me is that they're not... When somebody doesn't want to see a remake, the points that they're making aren't wrong, if not a little naive. But I... And I don't mean to sound that condescending. It just... I guess, I, I guess ninety percent of the time I read these complaints about why don't do this. I was like, they don't care, man. Well, a lot of times it's flimsy. You know, I'm sure there's a lot yeah. of people saying don't remake the entity because it's a classic. That's flimsy. It is flimsy. I'm saying I don't want them to not have a violent rape. If they take the violent rape out of there, then what's the movie about? Right. Yeah. So it's, to me, it's a little more valid of a concern. Although there's people saying they shouldn't do it. And I'm saying I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah. So again, your entity, the movie that you liked 
and saw as a kid is right there. It's not going anywhere. You can still see it. Exactly. No one can. And take, I know this. No one can take that away from you. And if, like you said, the worst case scenario is that I'm going to watch a remake that will remind me what I love so much about the original. Mm-hmm. I don't know why these people that are so against remakes, from the get go, just out of the gate, hating them because of what flimsier reasons. I feel they're flimsier reasons, and they're far more adamant in their hate. Yeah, that was my thoughts on the Halloween remakes. They just made me like Halloween 1 and 2 better. Um, they, they made me appreciate the acting in it a lot more. Um, the, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, that made me appreciate the, the original because my problem with that movie was, uh, not the performances, was the fact that it was very shot for shot, but also the quaintness of the special effects in the first one. You know, the idea that you're watching it's like, oh, how do they get, how do they do that with Johnny Depp? You know, rotating the how the, yeah. the room and like, oh, you know all these little tricks. And when you're in on the, when you're in on the gag, when you know, or you get a sense about how these things were accomplished, the movie magic aspect of practical effects. And you're just like, oh, that's what, wow, that's great. What a, what a clever special effect for the time. And you appreciate it. Now, if it's just, like, uh, or uh, the scene that really comes to mind is like, when Kruger uh, pushes his face and hands through like the wallpaper and it sort of like goes over her bed and you can see his silhouette and you're like, ooh, how'd they do that back in the day? And then the the the, se- uh, the remake, the exact same scene is there, but you know how they did it. <laughs> it, it was like, it was just like, oh, this is a computer effect. That's literally all they did. And so it becomes more sterile and it becomes less interesting to me. Yeah. And, okay. and, and so I was just like, eh, I don't like this now. Like, I, I doesn't like... Is there anything wrong with it? But my point is, like, 25 years from now, is anyone going to be like, I can't wait to watch the Nightmare on Elm Street remake? Nah. Everyone's going to go back to the original. So it's not hurting anything, honestly. And and, and if and people were just like, well, kids today aren't even going to know that there was an original. They're going to think that's the movie. I'm like, does that bother you that much? Really? I was like, people who care will find it. That's why you don't scream and yell about things. That's why you do things like my mom, who was like, oh, cool, a 13 Ghosts remake. The, yeah. yeah, I'm totally down with watching that. Let's rent that. Yeah. Did you know there was an original? Cool, I've seen it. Yeah. That's, what the, story. that's what the older generation you know? is for, yeah. is to tell people things. Maybe more important than, like, movies existed, but... <laughs> They're like alive encyclopedias we yeah. don't have they're not like an encyclopedia bound by flesh they literally yeah. are an encyclopedia bound by flesh <laughs> let us dissect them <laughs> we talked about a lot of things today yeah that's what we do yeah but anyway sometimes i like remakes sometimes i don't I just don't yell about them on the internet except for when i do sometimes <laughs> <laughs> i'm complicated he is complicated, and this is going to change, because we're probably going to have an episode down the road where he hates remakes. Hates remakes. No more. I'm going to see one remake, and, and I'll just be like, enough. No more. This far. No farther. <laughs> I will make them pay for what they've done. So we'll have to cover some more original things, just to avoid that fucking conversation. <laughs> well, we got an original movie next time for everybody. Yeah, I don't know which one we're going to do, though. We're doing hardware. We're doing hardware? I thought we were going to do burnt offerings. That and clown will be forthcoming. Hoping I'm hoping to plan clown, because I like clowns so very much, for our 40th episode on my 40th birthday. You want to talk about polarizing? We're going to be doing an Eli Roth movie. Fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm an anti-fan of his. I will watch everything he makes, and then I'll keep my shitty opinions mostly to myself. Well, I have to listen to them, though. Somewhat, yeah. When mics are off, the horrible things. Or when I'm walking out of the theater texting you going, blah de blah blah de blah blah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But at least I don't scream and yell about them on the internet. I guess it's like nobody cares, right? Like, like so many times when I read a tweet, I guess I'm guilty of it myself, so I'm being a hypocrite, but I'm just like, nobody cares, dog. No one gives a shit. Like, I care, Wes. Look at this face. Listeners, what you don't know is when we turn this mic off, she's going to beat the hell out of me. And on that note... <laughs> I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.